Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends and excited to have you along with us this afternoon for some media training. Our show today is called Shh, Be Quiet Christian based on the book by Pastor Gus Booth who's our guest today. During the next hour we're going to talk about what the media finds valuable, the best promotional tip for getting media coverage for your message, the one thing you must be convinced of before booking any media, how to help your interviewer get her story because she has a boss too, the key to becoming a good interviewee, how to share your message despite interviewer attempts to get you off topic, how to stay relevant before, during, and after the interview, the power of a soundbite, how to handle a bad interview midstream and stay sane afterwards, and how to reach and research the find of the media outlets that will want to interview you on, on your topic. Our guest today, Gus Booth, is a personal friend of mine here located in Warroad, Minnesota. He's appeared on Fox News Channel, NPR, ABC, and has been featured in most major newspaper outlets since he was thrust into the media spotlight eight years ago when he challenged the government's censorship of free speech. In 2014, he took the mantle of free speech to the next level with his book, the Quiet Christian, how the church's message of love is becoming America's message to hate. And his website is protectthegospel.com. With that, I welcome you, Gus. Hello. Good afternoon, Marnie. So good to be here. Well, it's great to have you. been looking forward to this and excited about your book that came out. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go through the hour. But during this hour specifically, we want to focus on how a Christian can be in the media today, uh, balancing the the desire of our hearts, which is to, you know, communicate the love of Jesus everywhere we go with the confines of media and uh, wanting to be, you know, sensitive to the people that brought us on in some way too. And during this hour, we're going to cover all the topics I just spoke about. But I think the first thing that I want to ask you is maybe back to that first interview when you were first um, really thrust into the spot, like a, like you phrase it. Um, well, how did you feel going into that interview? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you terrified? Uh, how did you feel? Well, the first big interview anyway was with uh, Geraldo, and I was terribly nervous. Um they had flown my wife and I down from northern Minnesota to the Minneapolis area, put us up in this big swanky hotel, and and uh, it was like the movies. You know those movies where the guy in the with the limo has you know has a sign, you know when people are coming off the airplane, you know Mr. That's exactly the way it was. There was this guy mm-hmm. in his suit and had this you know uh, sign that said you know Mr. Booth, and I'm like oh okay I guess that's me and. And uh, I was just super, super nervous. And in the hotel room, I just finally said to my wife, I said, honey, I'm, man, I'm about ready to wet my pants. This is terrible. She said, you know, you talk to God every day. Who's Geraldo? 
I love it. Uh, it was just <laughs> it was so good. It was just such a good word, you know, from yeah. the Lord through my wife. But but truthfully, it only helped for about twenty seconds, and uh, <laughs> and I just got back into the nervousness of it. Uh, and uh, you can even see the interview, you know, online. But but I I did okay, but I was very nervous, very very nervous. Yeah. And I, I guess that was one of the reasons I was excited to have you come on today because you've actually been through some pretty intimidating, re- really intimidating interviews. <laughs> You're a good one to talk to us about this. So let's go ahead and get started with what the media finds valuable. Unfortunately, it's controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever is controversial is something that the media will... Uh, jump on, and even even as I was thinking about this interview and just uh, researching, you know your um, your outlet and and who your audience is. I thought to myself, I wonder if if there are a bunch of people listening that have a controversial subject. Now, my subject is very controversial, so it's very easy for media people to want to to talk to me. However, sometimes I think that it might be necessary to create a controversy and then fix it. You know, like the top ten ways to respond to criticism, or something like that, where uh, every you know criticism is there all the time, and we're all going to be criticized. Or, and to be able to respond to that in a healthy way, we fix somebody's problems. So it's it's controversy. It's also uh, fixing something, a common problem. And if you can do one of those two things, I think the media will find that interesting because they they want to be interesting for their listeners. You know, and in defense of the media, they've got, you know, there's there's so many channels that people can flip to. And if this channel isn't riveting, um, people just right. tend to flip away. And they've got to have the watchers and the listeners in order to stay in business. And so, you know, from their perspective, they go by what the the audience is telling them they want to see. You know, and we can't just say, well, they shouldn't do it that way. They should just only, you know, report on good news. Well, they would go out of business and... That yeah, you're right, that. and that's unfortunate. But you're you're completely right about that. Yeah, and they, you know, they truly watch. I remember one of the people that I had learned from um, earlier on. She was on one of those um, infomercial shows um, where she had to sell, you know, sell, and they track by the second. They can tell what her inflection was at the point when people dropped off. I mean, it is it's a huge science, right down to. Um, you know, your your eyebrows, uh, you know, if you raise your eyebrows there, if you, you know, change your body body language a little bit. So um, when, they're, when they're looking to book you, they really need you to provide for them not only news but entertainment as well. Um, that's what they're looking yeah. for then. Yeah. So uh, what would you say is the best promotional tip for getting media coverage? Um, I, what I do with my own platform and my own book and that message is I pay attention to what the media is talking about. And if I can somehow link the two together, um, then that's good for me. Uh, like, uh, like a great practical tip would be to set up a Google alert with some of your keywords. You know, mine would be, you know, religious liberty or free speech or gay marriage or First Amendment or something like that um, to where if somebody is going to post about it online, um, you know, Google has these readers that will read that and then give you an email alert as to, you know, what that article is, who's been saying, you know, whatever. And so if your keywords 
are being emailed to your inbox about people posting, then you can either, like say it's a blogger or something, then you can go on that article and you know, you know, put yourself within the conversation below that. And of course, always do a, you know, a link to your website and those kind of things. But if you engage um, different people that are writing about your topic, that is a great way to be able to, to just promote your own material. Well, and it's such a wonderful first step. I think that a lot of the challenge when you're new to media is identifying what really is a hot topic compared to what isn't so hot. And if you just watch what people are already blogging about or writing about in the news and comment on that, it helps you in a couple ways. First of all, you're directly on track with what is hot right now. Also, it forces you to phrase things in such a way that you probably wouldn't have thought of doing so without the pressure of a public forum like a blog response or whatever. And then thirdly, it does help you if you uh, if you have posted on a blog site on a topic, especially a couple or maybe a dozen times, you become familiar to the owner of those blogs and you are much more likely to get a hearing if you send in a blog post asking for it to be published than if you've never um, you know, if you just cold, cold call everybody and don't have relationships at all, uh, responding on blogs is really developing a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is super key. If, if somebody's you know posting on your subject and you go to them and you and you create greater dialogue for one of their blog posts, they're certainly more apt to to be able to inter- to be interested in what you have to say uh, too. So it's super important. Yeah, and also, I mean, it does give you the opportunity for them to identify that you are a communicator before you're asking for, you know, really space on their, you know, on their real estate. And you just have to view every minute on the air is real estate. If you were to say, well, I'd like to buy a 30-second ad, you would spend anywhere from $15 to, you know, (laughs) for the Super Bowl, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for that 30 seconds. Every 30 seconds is worth value, and if you're not adding value by your presence there, then they can't have you there, and that's just it. And right. when you're asking for a so blog space, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you said that about um, you know ads. Even like a few weeks ago, when that stuff in Indiana um, just erupted about religious liberty, I spent extra money on Facebook for ads during that time period because I know people were talking about it and I knew it was in the news. And so that's why I really like, you know, when somebody is writing about your topic, um, you do whatever you can to, to, to just stay in front of their eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. So important. And again, if you if you are responding, if you ha- are the expert that can give them a response. So let's say on the evening news you saw a story that was a direct hit on your topic. You could address this from a different angle. Then when you're sending in your um, request to be interviewed on that topic by that news media, you want to include that in your in your subject line. Expert on, for you guys, would be religious freedom. Um, have input. And then inside, just on the first line, you would just put your rock-solid thing that you're going to give them and then your contact right. information. And then, you know, that, that's what they want. They want easy. They're so busy. Uh, media, media, the people who are producing these programs and who are the uh, reporters, they are incredibly busy and they're overwhelmed, flooded 
with people who want to give input. So you have to make yours very clear and also just really compelling so they don't have to dig down three paragraphs to find out what you're what you're going to talk about. They don't have time. Yeah. No, they cool. don't. Unless you get lucky. You, sometimes you can get lucky and have like an investigative journalist or an investigative reporter that really likes to go deep in a subject, which is wonderful. But that that's kind of few and far between uh, now. It's we really have to communicate uh, in sound bites and in you know pithy little sayings that are sentence fragments. They're not even good gram- grammatically correct you know things to say sometimes. But as long as they create a clear message um, that solves the problem or creates a controversy that ultimately you want to solve as a problem, then the airtime for that message is is more than it isn't. Absolutely, absolutely. And then when you were talking about that, another place to to actually put your comments out there is Twitter. A lot of news reporters do search Twitter for comments that are um, reproduced that they can that they can publish. They're just looking for um, I call it fodder, but to put into their article to um, make it bigger, make it better, have someone to quote. They can contact you through Twitter. So that's where yeah. you do your short. Um, you know, 140 character ones. And then bigger on your main topic, you want to have LinkedIn very findable there where people, if they're doing a search on that topic, they will find you. It includes the words media expert. It includes your topic, all your keywords, plus um, anything that you've had as far as media coverage in the past. Um, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Gus Booth of protectthegospel.com. He's the author of a book called The be quiet, Christian. And we're going to come right back and talk about the one thing that you must be convinced about before you book media. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving toward your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more, all available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Spudberg, and our guest today is Gus He's the author of a book called Shh, Be Quiet Christian. And he is also a pastor of a church here in my hometown, which has been my hometown for about 30 years now. And he is uh, the web host over at protectthegospel.com. We're talking today about media training, how Christians can speak up in the media, and why we must. Um, Gus, let's talk about uh, something that you have to be convinced about before booking media. And I, I love this. I love this angle because you you just think you have to have something to say. But uh, from your experience, you know that it's a little deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have found that whatever your subject or whatever your topic or whatever your expertise is, don't muddy the waters by going wider into that subject. Go deeper. Go deeper into solidifying your greater expertise. Uh, on whatever that topic is. So never stop studying your topic. Always go deeper, always go deeper, always go deeper. But because if you go wider, what winds up happening is not not only do you get a little bit of murkiness, you get a little unclear in your in your thought process, you you wind up starting to talk about things that you maybe shouldn't be talking about and then you don't seem like the expert that you're you know, portraying yourself as or even being introduced as. 
So your best case scenario is to always go deeper rather than wider into your subject. And it's so important that you are actually an expert, which doesn't mean you know everything. Nobody will ever know everything about a topic. But it does mean that you are very well-versed on the topic you're trying to address. It's really important for you not to put yourself out there and only know three things. The three things that are in your bullet list, that's all you know. That's really a dangerous place to be. (laughs) Um, It is. At the very beginning of this whole uh, firestorm that happened, I, uh, Alan Combs had booked me on his radio show, and it was, if you guys remember Hannity and Combs, it was a liberal voice on the Fox News channel uh, with Hannity before he was off there, but he booked me on his radio show, and he just tore me into the Iraq war and all these different things that, that weren't mm. really my area of expertise about just, you know, protecting free speech and and uh it was it was so embarrassing and I just thought, oh, that was awful. Um and it really was awful. Um but I lived and learned. Didn't have didn't have that happen again. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna actually talk about that a little bit as we go forward too, what to do if you're in that situation. I guess the one thing, you know, when people say that the number one fear is, you know, public speaking and I always think that's kind of funny because I think actually death might be higher than that. But um, when people say that, I always think actually the number one fear is being made to look like a fool. That's really the number one fear. We really don't want to yeah. get up in front of a bunch of people and look like an idiot. And so what, when I'm working with speakers, and this is the same for media, tra- for media people, you really want to know your subject so well that you are confident that you can answer questions that are put toward you on your topic, and that if you can't answer the question, it would just be like this random question that you would go, wow, I I really don't know that off the top of my head, but I can find out for you and get back to you. You know, because you really want to know it that deeply before you put yourself out there. Because when you think about the questions that you've been asked in media interviews, um, how many of them have really tripped you up when they are on your topic? You know, not many when they're on my topic, um, right? Because I'm such a believer in going deeper and not wider. Uh, but I just, I can't, I don't know that I remember any. Um, mm-hmm. I remember feeling like, uh oh, this is getting into areas where maybe I'm, you know, not expert. Uh, but it's, it's kind of easy to bring it back on topic. Uh, if you can even say something to the effect of, well, that really kind of goes beyond my knowledge. What what I'm mostly interested in is, and then and then you basically right. you know, give your catchphrase or you give what. Um, so and most interviewers will get that because they don't want to make you look dumb unless they have an ulterior motive of some sorts. Um, they don't want to look bad either by booking a guest that doesn't really know what they're talking about. So. Sometimes they can read between the lines. Or actually, I'd say most of the time they can read between the lines. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked what you said earlier, too. Once you start going too wide, you actually get into places where you don't want to go. I was actually just earlier today working on a keynote speech that I'm going to be doing in a couple weeks, and I, I, I said something out loud as I was rehearsing it, and I thought, don't go there. <laughs> because, honestly, it was taking the concept farther 
than I had technical knowledge. I was trying to I was trying to come up with in my head, how long is it again that it takes the eye to regenerate or the skin to regenerate? You know, and it's like, okay, I don't need to I don't need to use that deep of an example in this circumstance. If I do, I better memorize it and really get it down. But the reality is that there's so much information that's right on track with what you're trying to say that you don't have to go places that you're uncomfortable going or not prepared to go, and that is critically important. It's pretty tough to regain trust once you have um, looked like you don't know what you're talking about. You get one chance in the media. (laughs) You get one chance. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So how do you help your interviewer get the story that they need to get? I think you ask them. Uh, you know, if it's uh, obviously off air or if it's a print article or something, uh, you say, you know, what's your angle? How can I get your, uh, how can I get, you know, the story that you're after? Um, and, and really it, it kind of puts them like, oh, they're actually trying to help me. Because cause at, at its root, your your media people, they want to tell a story. They want to, you know, they don't necessarily want to be the news. They want to report about the news. And so if they have in their mind something that is newsworthy, that's why they've called you. And you can you just simply ask them. Uh, and it winds up being just a great uh, exchange. And, and, in, and with me, because I have such a controversial topic, um, it kind of breaks down some, some walls. Um, you know, when, when people are interviewing me on the, on the topic, when I show some compassion, some empathy as to what maybe they might be after. I was just on a show last week, and I asked the host basically that question, um, how can I best help you make this a success? And she said to me, you are the first person who's ever asked me that. So what does the sharing with you right now is not the norm. Most people come on to a show with their own agenda. They come on, they come into an interview knowing what they want to communicate. And if you just back up for just a second and consider the fact that the producer or the the writer already has a concept in mind and that you can serve them directly, it is amazing how much they appreciate that. That is such good advice. Thank you for that. It's such a biblical thing, too. Yeah, it really is. You know, it's it's so biblical to be able to just you know, lay your life down and try to honor them, try to give them value, try to make their life easier. Um, and I just think God honors those kind of character traits, obviously, because they're his character traits. Yeah, and that kind of just takes us right into the next point, which is the key to being a good interviewee. And one of the things that I learned early on, whether it's with media or whether I'm going speaking somewhere or even whether I'm just visiting a church, um, I always look for the person who's in charge, who is in charge, and then I just come under that person. And it's not that you have to sin under that person, not like that, but you just recognize there is a person that God has placed in authority in this particular situation. Who is that person? I come under that person's authority. So when you talk about it, um, maybe just from your own perspective and experience and from what you understand from the Bible, what is the key to being a good interviewee? Humility. By far, there's a fine line between being an expert and being a braggart. Mm. And if we can be humble in the midst of being asked questions as the expert, it just goes so, so far, uh, way far, because there's nothing quite more repulsive than uh, like a know-it-all, bloviating kind of 
uh, person, and you just don't mm. want to be typecast into that. It's interesting. Um, you can kind of sense that in a person on a news um, on a newscast, especially especially when it gets controversial, when somebody feels like they scored on the other person. I hate that feeling. I I like it when yeah. I like it when it's controversial or when they're you know going back and forth and talking about it and trying to make their point. But I don't like the smugness of the person who really feels like they just nailed the other person to the wall. And 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 it is. It's it's about humility. It's about staying human, staying sensitive in the situation. I I just love that. Yeah, these kind of. You, go ahead. Well, I mean, they're kind of gotcha moments where it just comes across rubbing people the wrong way. I remember being on one interview, a, a large radio station in the Midwest, and, and the interviewer uh, was trying to to get me to come against a very popular pastor whom I really respected. And it came out that he said something that I thought, that doesn't sound like him. And so he was trying to have me on as a voice that agreed with him and the erroneousness of this other pastor. And I, and I finally just said, you know, if he said that, uh, that's not a good thing. But I just doubt that he uh, even said that. And here a week later, it comes out that that's not what he had said, and the media jumped all over something. And I just remember feeling like I dodged a bullet by not... Yeah you know, going to the interviewer and saying, yeah, you're right, that pastor was a know-nothing, you know, that kind of attitude. Um, I was just very thankful because I hope to meet him someday. I, I really respect that man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and you dodged the bullet on both sides because you also, could have, you also could have made an enemy with your interviewer by saying, I'm sure you're dead wrong on that one, you know, and you just didn't go either way. You just, Yeah, you just, you're right. I remember feeling that way too. I remember thinking, man, how can yeah. I – you know, properly phrase this without, you know, well, making the interviewer feel bad. So I'm glad you picked up on that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I've had people on my show, too, that we have completely opposite perspective. The other person has the allowance. They have the right to have an opinion. (laughs) And that's just okay. We all are going to make different choices, come to different conclusions based on possibly the same information or more likely different information. So it's just so important. And I love the aspect of being humble when you go on. And it's such a joy. When I have a guest on, um, guest you are being this way today, when I have guests on who are humble, it's so different from somebody who comes in here, is kind of irritated. <laughs> it's kind of irritated at the, from the very get-go that they have to spend their time you know, doing this media stuff, and uh, it's just it's just so such a blessing to have somebody come on who's really um, grateful for the opportunity and who has good information to share and is gentle and humble about sharing it. So I thank you for that and for that input as well. Before we go to break, is there anything else you wanted to say about um, being a good interviewee? Um, no, I guess not. Okay. All right. All right. So, no. uh, that's great. And we're going to talk a lot more about stuff when we come back. We're going to talk about how to share your message despite interviewer attempts to get you off topic and how to stay relevant, plus a lot more. We'll be right back. 
WomenSpeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit WomenSpeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. Our guest today is Gus Booth, and we are doing some media training. Uh, Gus has been in the media quite a bit since... um, Well, Gus, why don't I let you explain that just a little bit. Your book, Be Quiet Christian, came as a result or a response, really, to the interest in our country really shifting gears from letting Christians have to not so much. So maybe just tell us where this, where your passion for this came from. Uh, just to be able to preach the gospel. That is solely it. I want to be able to not be fined and or imprisoned for saying what is becoming more and more labeled hate speech. And I don't want to leave you know, this nation to my sons, you know, worse than I inherited it, although we have a long way to go in order for that not to happen. But um, for me, my whole issue is just about the gospel. And some people try to pigeonhole me into like a political pastor, but that's not where I want to be. That's not where I'm even taking the message. I think we have to get involved in politics in order to protect the gospel or or protect the preaching of the gospel. Um, with the whole First Amendment thing. So for me, it's all about his message and being able to share it without fear of punishment. And for somebody who's just listening to that saying, well, what's the problem? I mean, pastors preach it every day. What are you talking about going to jail? What do you What do you say? Yeah, well, um, the the future of this issue is such that if we come against... Uh, say, for example, homosexuality, then that can be labeled as hate speech because the Bible, you know, talks about that being a sin. Well, if that's labeled hate speech and um, the government decides to say, you know, we don't want that kind of talk around, then we're not going to be able to preach the full counsel of the Word of God. It would be very similar to some other countries, even in Canada right now, Uh, I'm only six miles south of the Canadian border where I sit here. We have Canadians in our congregation every single Sunday. And some of my pastoral friends up there cannot say certain things about homosexuality because they, uh, the Canadians, have already made it illegal to do so. And I find it very ironic that the message that built this nation, America, the gospel, that's the message, is now being attacked by that nation uh, and if, an, if a pastor doesn't want to get involved in that, you know, uh, fight or, or that battle, then that's fine. He is perfectly within his right to to decide what comes from his own pulpit. But my issue is that if the government can tell you what certain political messages to say from your pulpit, they will also at some point be able to tell you what certain theological messages to say. And that's just dangerous. That's super dangerous. Mm. Yeah, and you talk a lot more about that in your book, Shh, Be Quiet Christian, how the church's message of love is becoming America's message to hate. You can find that book over at Amazon.com or protectthegospel.com or any major bookseller. 
Gus, let's go ahead back and talk about how to share your message despite the fact that an interviewer might try to get you off topic. And maybe you could start with an example of this. Yeah, we alluded to that at the beginning. The worst was was Alan Combs, who I'll find out re- uh, later was he's a is a master debater, and I'm not really a master debater at all. Um, but uh, how I have learned to bring it back onto topic is to just simply say, "Yeah, I'm not so sure about that, but this is what I am sure about." You know, something mm-hmm. to that effect. Uh, and you only have to do that one or two times. Um, and what I've found also that's great in that area is, you know, sometimes uh, journalists will come uh, and they're more liberal in nature. And, of course, I'm not a liberal. I'm more of conservative. And so they're hostile to begin with. And mm. so they'll try to, you know, talk about all these different spurious, you know, issues to try to make me look like this right-wing fundamentalist right. nut, you know, kind of guy. Um, and then I learned, I, I said, well, you, you're interested in free speech, right? Because journalists, they live for free speech, for goodness sake. Um. And so I, I, I learned to start phrasing my topic with, with words that they esteem. And free speech right. is one of them. And I said, you know, if you want free speech, I want free speech too. Don't you think we should both have free speech? Oh, yeah, we should. And then they, they were right. a great interview turned from a hostile interviewer mm. into, into one that's mm. you know, appreciative of the message. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I remember um, I remember one time, and there's a passage. I was trying to find it right now, and I can't find it. Maybe you can help me think of which one it is. But um, I was waiting on on a call. I was on hold to go on to a radio show, and it was the East Coast. It was a very liberal station, and I was going to talk about, of all things, kitchen shortcuts, but that's what they were going to interview me on, on this station. And right before me, they had this wonderful love fest with a bunch of um, gay people on there, and it was just, and I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And I thought, you know, as soon as they read the back jacket of my book, uh, before they bring me on, this is going to, this could go kind of south real quick. And so I was just praying. And what happened was that God used a biblical principle, which was that our lives will actually turn a person's heart from hostility to appreciation of of us or of what God has done through us. And what happened very early in that interview, instead of them just harassing me the whole time for being a God lover, what they did is they they asked me a little bit about my background, and I just told them at the time about the work I did with the girls and providing um, meals for families in need. And they were just blown away that somebody would just voluntarily do stuff like that, what I was doing, what God was having me do at that time, and it changed their whole heart toward me for the interview. And it's really okay for us to go into hostile situations, and it's important for us to be willing to go into hostile situations if that's where God's leading us, and to trust God that he can turn it to something good instead of always having it be, you know, the lions ripping us to shreds. Um, Daniel went in the lion's den, and the lions did not eat him. Uh, they just waited for the other guys. <laughs> so, uh, but it is really, it can be very intimidating when, a, when an interviewer is trying to entrap you or trying to take you places that you're not wanting to go. Yeah, if you stay humble, that was great. I mean, if you stay humble and you stay on message, then it's just hard to make you look bad uh, because of your humility. Matter of fact, sometimes, and I don't know that this has happened to me, but I could see a scenario where the interview will be the one, the interviewer will be the one that looks bad because, you know, you're not responding with anger. 
You know, you're not responding right. with this chip on your shoulder. Well, I've certainly watched interviews like that where you're like, oh, come on, back off, you know, <laughs> to the interviewer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, always, I always think it's comical when, when you know, uh, um, uh, a station will have two opposing views on and then one of them will be like, well, can I talk? Can I just talk? Because you keep talking. And, and I just think it, that's a person that's more interested in getting their message out rather than uh, providing value for people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I've always prayed that I don't have to go on those particular ones because I would not <laughs> be able to do those. <laughs> I'm so non-controversial. I, will just, I am not a controversial person at all, and so it would be very difficult for me to be in those situations. But I've been in some that were close enough that were very uncomfortable for me, and I've just found God to be really faithful and uh, you know, I guess that's kind of, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit, how to handle a bad interview while you're in it and even afterwards. But right now, let's go ahead and talk about staying relevant um, before, during, and after the in- interview. I think we've, you know, mentioned earlier the need to go deeper instead of wider on your topic. But when we're talking about relevance, what else comes to mind? You need to remind people that this issue, whatever your issue is, will never go away. And then give them an example or two, uh, you know, this whatever problem that you're trying to fix with the platform or with the leadership skill that you have. Um, and then that just, it kind of creates these, this uh, perennial open door, if you will. Um, and if you, if you do that, I think that's great. Um, and uh, being problem solvers, um, they're always relevant. If you're ever going to solve a problem, that's always relevant. I've never given a, uh, a sermon on the dangers of cannibalism, right? Because <laughs> there's no cannibals in our community. <laughs> you know, that'd be a waste. But I've given multiple sermons on things that uh, uh, issues that uh, people are are confronted with each day. Um, so definitely staying uh-huh. relevant as far as um, being a problem solver. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what we talked about earlier in the hour was to watching watching for news stories that are, um, you know, that your topic addresses and hooking, hooking replies to those as well. And then after the interview, it's never inappropriate to send a thank you. Um, that's, that's really welcomed by the host, uh, by your interviewee. Um, they, love, they love to hear back from you, especially if you listen to it afterwards or read it, uh, the article they wrote, and you have something specific good to say about it, uh, it just really does encourage the the um, reporter to consider you again at a different time. I can't tell you how many reporters have contacted me back and said, well, I remember you because you talked about this and, you know, like that. And right, it's that's relationship that, building. It is. Right, it's that's what you want to do. That's building. I mean, anybody can send a you know, a, an email that says, hey, thanks for the opportunity. I'm here for you when you need me again. I mean, that's fine, but why not go one or two more sentences and say, I really appreciated when you asked this question because it really right. allowed, you know, me to get it. And so, so you get detail-oriented, you build relationship, and you don't just, you know, use reporters to get your message out. That, that is ishy. <laughs> 
Well, and honestly, that's normal. So when you don't do it that way, you do rise to the top as somebody that they they actually like. <laughs> um, right. You know, I, I've had I've had uh, Cecil Murphy on the show a couple times, and he's in his 80s. He's still writing, I think, seven books a year at this point. He's had multiple bestsellers, including Gifted Hands with um, Ben Carson, Ben Carson story, and uh, he has a practice. He has never done an interview. He's never. Um, gone to a show and met somebody that he didn't follow up with with a personal handwritten note. I mean, the man is just incredible with his relationship building, and he's such an encouragement to me. And he, and he says to most people respond, I have never received a handwritten note of thanks, you know? So um, it doesn't take much to bubble to the surface and be memorable, especially if you actually did a good job on the interview for him. Um, that was great. Right. Always stay relevant and provide good information. Let's talk about sound bites for a couple of minutes. This is so important. I have a whole training on sound bites with um, the Oprah Booker and um, Wayne Wayne Kelly and different people that helped me put this together. A sound bite is simply a quotable something that you say that can be used and requoted. It might even be pulled out into a call box, um, you know, where it's a highlighted little phrase that you said, it is so important that it can be promoted all by itself as a standalone comment. When you think of sound bites, um, what comes to mind as far as your own experience, Gus, or maybe something that you've learned along the way? Um, well, you have to sloganize your message into something, you know, sound bite-ish, you know, whatever that one, you know, you know quick sort of, informational thing that kind of tells people what you're about. Um, so that's good. I mean, protecting the message that protects us all yeah, is mine. Mine. Um, yeah. And so I yeah, I just think that's good. I think it's rel- uh, relative. Um, but they can be uh, bad, too. And I've had, unfortunately, uh, some good experiences with some bad uh, sound bites. <laughs> I remember I told a reporter one time, he was like, well, what, what, what uh, makes you decide what you're going to preach about? And I just said, ah, oh, well, it's kind of a crapshoot, you know. It's just like, and I thought, uh, well, that's not really what I meant. And so I tried to explain <laughs> it, and luckily he never quoted that or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but there is an element <laughs> of truth to that, you know, just about, well, you just kind of say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say, you know. And um, So you want to be careful uh, about how you phrase things as well, uh, uh, too, um, in a, and they could paint it in a in a negative light. I remember I remember being contacted by a reporter, and I said, "Oh, you just this is perfect timing. I've just been out running all over the place, and uh, I just I just got back in. This is great." And I meant running errands, but she just assumed I was a runner. And so, you know, I mean, you can be pretty easily misquoted, and contrary to popular belief, you oftentimes do not get to read anything they say you said or anything about the um, article before it goes out. Some some writers do let you do that. A lot of reporters simply don't have time or it's not their practice. No, yeah, They're most just, of the time. I I yeah. very rarely have had a reporter say, hey, this is what I wrote. Want to read over fact, this? I don't even know if I've had a reporter even say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I definitely have. I definitely have, but it's getting less and less common because of the kind of time crunch people are under, and it's just not the norm anymore. It used to be the norm because reporters actually were paid to get it right. I don't think that that's the case anymore. I think they're paid to get it out there. (laughs) Yeah, to get it out, not get it right. Yeah. No, getting it right is not their number one priority anymore. And so you can very easily be misquoted. Something you say can be taken out of context. But once again, that's not a reason not to say it. It's just a reason to be careful and to actually build in some sound bites that they can use. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, when I'm doing Christian media is there's time to do everything God wants me to do. And I just say that a couple times during the program or uh, one that the media just loves that I use is BUSY. My acronym for BUSY is Best Unique Strategies for You. And I always say yep. BUSY gets a bad rap. BUSY gets a bad rap. God made us to be busy. He didn't make us to be imbalanced, so he wants us to also have rest and have relationships. But he did create us to get some work done. I mean, there, there's definitely that side of things. So having these sound bites ready to um, give to them is so helpful for the reporter because you've you've done some of the work for them. And if you say it two times, they usually will catch it, um, that that's what you're intending, uh, even if it doesn't sound intentional at all. Uh, before we take a break, uh, Gus, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about sound bites or staying relevant? Outside of just making sure that you sloganize your message, it's almost a uh, sentence fragment, um, not even a full sentence necessarily, but something that people can can sink their mind into and remember easily. I love the title of your book for that, Shh, Quiet Christian. And, of course, every title of an article or a book or anything is a wonderful place to go ahead and do this, and it's a great practice for you. If I was going to name a book after this topic that I'm talking about or being interviewed today, what would I say? What would be the title? What would be the subtitle? Those are going to be my sound bites. Okay, well, you helped me with words. that title. I think I told you that before, but I remember you saying it's got to be something short. And I remember thinking, man, this might even be too long for Marnie because, uh, you know, our editor uh, had a working title that I just thought, man, I don't like that at all. And and you were the one that first introduced me to, you know, like a one-word title or something you know that. Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, we're going to take a break and come right back and talk about how to handle a bad interview midstream and how to stay sane afterward and then how to research and find media outlets that will want to interview you on your topic. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. Our guest today is Pastor Gus Booth, who was born in Tracy, Minnesota, raised in Oceanside, California, graduated 
from high school in Strongsville, Ohio, came to faith in Akita, Japan, and graduated from college in Bemidji State in Bemidji, Minnesota. We've been all over the place, and God, um, God is using you to share a message, Be Quiet Christian, how to speak up now before it's too late for us to speak up anymore about the things of God. Um, as we go forward in this last section of this media training here today, how do you handle a bad interview when you're right in the middle of it? Oh, right in the middle of it. Yikes. I could do well with it being at the end of it. Uh, right in the middle of it, I would have to say you have got to refocus on your main message. Uh, that is the only thing I can think of that would make sure that it's salvageable is that you're able to it, to do that. Um, but after the interview is so much, I mean, once it, most of the interviews are, are not an hour long. Most in the media are, um, you know, a couple minutes, if that. Right, right. Um, and you have just got to move on. You have to tell yourself that not everybody heard that, <laughs> um, and you're not oh, going to be typecast into that one, you know, bad interview. Um, and you you need to learn to not define your own message uh, by one bad interview. That saying can't you know shouldn't cry over spilled milk is certainly applicable. But the best way is to move on and learn. And one thing that I have learned throughout this process is um, I don't try to tell myself like oh I really failed at that. I just say well I learned how not to do that again. Right. 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 I love I love the phrase. I always define failure as feedback. I I like to just step back and say, right, okay. Um, and you know, I think in sports, we're we're much more willing to do that. You know, I mean, uh, Michael Jordan didn't even hit fifty percent of his shot, and he's the best basketball player ever. So, well, maybe that's debatable now, but he was for a long time. And, you know, we just want it to be 100%. We want to just come out of the gate and just nail everything 100%. And the reality is uh, you're not always going to nail it 100%. Sometimes you're not going to have an answer. Sometimes you're going to say something you wish you hadn't said. Sometimes you are going to let someone get you frustrated instead of staying cool and calm the whole time. Um, You just can't do everything perfectly. And if you just go failure is feedback, it just takes the sting out of it and lets you just right away give it to God again and receive from him what he wants to give you. Oftentimes it's peace or hope or uh, love for the person that hurt you or love for yourself because, <laughs> because you need that too. Right. Um, and yeah, it's no just successful important. person, you know, no successful person has ever, you know, not failed. Matter of fact, that's, I mean, I think probably most people even understand that, but, it, but it's even worth repeating, you know, successful people, are the ones that have just continued to progress in the midst of their failures. Um, 
Well, and so, it's how we grow. It's like saying a child should just, you know, start running before they learn to crawl or walk. Um, it's not going to happen. In order to learn to walk or to run, you have to fall down. That's just part of the process. It's how God built us, and it's okay Yeah, and what does him. God do when that happens, right? Like, say we have a failure in, in one, whether it's sinful or whether it's in business or whatever, does he run over and smack you, and, and, you know, like, would a good parent, you know, have this one-year-old start taking a step or two and then fall down and run over, oh, you fell down, I can't believe you fell down, and what a loser, you give your right? one-year-old a thanking for falling down, <laughs> like, you're going to be like, you took a step, that's so amazing, I love right. you so much, let's take another one, and so we yeah. focus on the fact that we fall, and God's focusing on the fact that we took a step, and so exactly. I want to focus on what he's focusing on, not what the devil wants me to exactly. focus on. Right, and it's back to humility. And it's funny, I, I had this phrase that I used for a long time. I play the piano for our church sometimes for worship uh, service, but I'm not a great pianist. I always say I'm a plunker. I don't really play. I kind of plunk. <laughs> and so it was real intimidating for me to play for worship. And so every time before I would go out there, I would pray, God, you know, if today's the day I need to be humbled, okay. But if today's the day that, you know, we can have it go good, well, that would be even better. I'd love that so much, you know, and I'd go out and however it went away. And one day I got really convicted about that prayer, Gus, because God was like, really, Marnie, that's really the most you can hope for is that you don't get humiliated today. How about that we have good worship? Maybe we could pray that we have good worship today. You know, and it's all about growing up, just growing up. And just realizing, oh, this interview really isn't about me. How about that? <laughs> that God's actually trying to accomplish something here. Oh, I'm just the flow through vessel. I'm just the one that he's choosing to use with this message today. And there's a lot of peace in that. Okay, so I've watched God accomplish great things through failures. If we go back to the illustration of the piano, one of my most memorable Sundays was I was trying to play the introduction to a song and I couldn't hit one correct note. And I was I, <laughs> I was just playing these notes and none of them were nearly the notes that they needed to start on. And I thought, I don't know how they could possibly guess how to start. So I just stopped and I started again and it went better. And I kept going and went through the service. And after, afterwards, weeks later or months later, a mom told me that her daughter who was sitting beside her that Sunday morning, had come home after church, and she said out loud without any, any prompting, she said, you know, I think if, if that ever happens to me when I'm playing the piano, I think I'm going to do just what Marnie did. And that girl went on and became a pianist for a major, a major music band. Uh, God sometimes uses our failures more than our successes if we'll just yield them to him. And I think it's so important in media to remember that during and after a tough interview. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how it's do you find? Fail. I mean, like, even. I mean, I don't know if we want to spend too much time on the on the topic, but if you just peruse the biblical characters, and you know Moses was a man who was a murderer, never brought to justice, and we can just go right down the line. But God used Moses in incredible ways, right? But so much failure happens uh, that God just picks up the pieces, and I love Him for that. I, I think, to me, that is why I get out of bed every morning. It's because I always say, you know, I get out of bed because I know that God's going to take my missteps, my mis- mistakes, and my misspoken words, and he's going to turn them into beautiful flower gardens. And in my mind, 
I just see a bunch of manure. <laughs> That's really what I see. I see that I really don't have all that much to give him. What I've got is a God who takes whatever I give and he turns it into something good. And that why I can get out of bed in the morning. So I love I love this concept. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. If you have a terrible interview, if you do get humiliated, if you actually say things that you're really punished for. I mean I have there was a speaker at womenspeakers.com that got crucified by the media for something she said and it was wrong. She shouldn't have said it. But it was terrifying to watch the punishment that was inflicted on her for saying something wrong. And when you are a speaker, the Bible's real clear about that. That's about how, you know, when you're a pastor or somebody that's saying something publicly like that, the judgment is more harsh. And you just have to trust harder in God. Just trust more. Trust more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. So let's spend the last couple of minutes. How do, how do people find media outlets that might want to interview them? You, uh, quite frankly... You just, you call them. I mean, they're easy to find. I mean, whatever, you know, the Google search engine is, whatever you, uh, and I think you start locally and you just keep going, you know, more and more. And the first radio station I was on on a consistent basis was the local station. And just a week or two ago, I was on a station that was a little further away from here that now wants to start doing that radio, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. blurb as well. And I think the whole principle of just starting close and um, just staying humble and, and allowing God to, to grow uh, your platform uh, is is just the great principle. And, uh, you know, there are some, like I'm reaching out even uh, now to uh, just some, some nationwide people that I just haven't had time to. People said, hey, you need to talk to, you know, so-and-so and, and I'm just going to call them or, or, you know, send them a book or, you know, leave a message or send an email or, you know, and, and I ask, you know, to, to, I even invite myself to conferences that I know the conference attendees will really appreciate that, um, this, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I've gotten over the fact that, um, you know, some people feel like it would be presumptuous to, to invite yourself to speak somewhere. But I'm passionate about this message, and I believe God is passionate about this message. I believe that he wants free speech in this nation. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to do all the 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 things to, to write a book, if I'm going to spend that kind of time writing a book, then I'm going to certainly spend time promoting the book too. I just don't want to promote it in a, hey, everybody look at me, I'm amazing, you know, kind right. of way. Uh, I, I promote it in a way like this is some good information, and I think it would be beneficial for your listeners. So, you know, what do you what do you think? Do you think you might want to uh, interview, you know, me? So yeah. Well, and I think that that's the critical point. Back to kind of um, the one thing you have to be convinced of before you go there is that you have a message that's important to be heard, and if you believe yeah. that God's given you that message, if you believe that the time is now then you have the confidence to go and to actually pitch it to different groups and to say, okay, this is a great, this is a great message. It's relevant. It's important right now. Right. And I think, and it I, think not, I could really bring a lot humility. of value. You know, you're, it, it is not humility to, um, to say, well, this is my book. God is just going to, you know, anoint it and people are going to call me, and, you know, like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. 
you know, that's not humility. That's a misguided sense of, that, that might even could be pride. But if there is a message that God wants to promote, he's certainly going to do it. But he also wants you to, you know, to, to get out there and, and uh, ask people to, you know, to be interviewed or ask, you know, them to do a guest blog post or ask them to send your information on their email list, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't ask, you don't receive. Wait, is that a Bible verse? <laughs> How about that? Well, this is Marnie Swedberg, our guest today, Gus Booth. You can find him over at protectthegospel.com. Thanks for being here, Gus. Appreciate having you. Hey, Amen. Thank you so much, Marnie. It's a super good opportunity. I loved it. And thank you all for being here. Appreciate when you come, and you can catch it later in the archives. Otherwise, uh, be sure to tell your friends to check out both the program and Gus's book, Shh, Be Quiet, Christian. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.